Good evening and welcome into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoftel, C70. It's about at C70 on Twitter. With me, I'd like to say as always, but it's very good to have her back on the mic. It's Tara Wellman for Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman. And I said Tara Wellman, it's Tara Nichols. I should know this. It's been a year, but this is what happens. And not only do we have Tara, but we also have the legend, the man, Siri Steve with us as well. How, how are y'all doing? We're doing all right. It feels strange to be behind a microphone again. It's been a bit, uh, as so often happens, I suppose, uh, but hopefully not as often as it has lately. Life happens, and so other things have had to take a, a priority, but it is nice to talk to you, and I guess it's a good time to talk about the Cardinals when they are at least division leaders. Um, so maybe better this week for us to be here together than last week uh, when, you know, the Cubs were involved directly in the Cardinals <laughs> situation. <laughs> this is, this is true. And it has been a good week for the Cardinals somewhat because it's been a bad week for the Brewers, but we'll take what we can get. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, interesting to see. You know, the Cardinals finally, I don't want to say they're coming into their own and they've kind of all figured it out. But, you know, when we when we last spoke, um, (laughs) we kind of felt like this was a team that was going to be competitive with the Brewers and had a really good chance of winning this division. And right now, even with all the flaws that we've seen, it feels like they're kind of exactly what we thought they were. Yeah, it's interesting because watching very much from a distance this last couple of months and you know not having to (laughs) find something to say about them every week which for the last couple of seasons has been slightly more complicated and uh, annoying at times um it's been interesting to see kind of what that roller coaster looks like right because coming into the season I know for us we had talked about hey this this team has some flaws but they look like they should still be very competitive in the division and then you know they start out great everyone's all on board things are fun and then they look terrible for a couple of weeks and everyone's (laughs) like I knew it I told you they were gonna be the pitching's not good enough the hitting's not good enough Jeff Albert's not good enough it's all terrible and then give it another couple of weeks and we're on the up and up again so seeing it from a little bit of a step back has been interesting because you do really see how it it all kind of levels out when you aren't zoomed so far in on a game by game basis, but it's nice from the perspective of what we thought this team could be at the beginning of the season to see some of that coming into form. I mean, I think Paul Goldschmidt being just an absolute monster is not (laughs) entirely what we had predicted but nice to see in a lot of ways I think the pitching being a bit of a scramble and still hanging in there somehow maybe isn't the the greatest long-term plan and I'm sure we can talk more about that but it is you know holding together somehow with lots of duct tape and (laughs) uh luck maybe I don't know and and that's from the perspective of someone who did have expectations i'm curious you know we've talked about the expectations or lack of for the cubs this year um but as as a fan of an opposing team series steve (laughs) 
Are you, have you seen enough of the Cardinals to have an impression as far as are they what you thought they would be? Well, I'm trying to not say too much to get me in trouble, but uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) the way I look at the Cardinals after watching them last season and then, you know, seeing the 17 game, what was it? 17, Mm -hmm. 17 game. I kind of, kind of took the 17 game win streak out of the equation. And I just combined what I saw before that with the Cardinals last season and then this season. And I see about the same thing. Um, so I, you know, not to, not to take anything away from that run. Cause that's incredible stretch, but mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot of the same things. And plus when you talk to Tara's dad all the time, who's was a big <laughs> Cardinals fan. He kind of tends to remind you of what they're, constantly doing wrong and what angers him so it's a lot of pretty much everything right but it's a lot of the same kind of things that were happening last year and it's always the oh it's the same old cardinals and you know what are they doing today so i for me from a just kind of like a take a step back and subtract that big win streak i i kind of see the things that tara always pointed out and so even with arenado and and Goldschmidt, it just it, it just seems like the Cardinals are up to their old antics all again. And, that, and that's why I said, kind of zooming out from it, um, and just sort of looking at the results rather than all the juicy details, has been interesting because it does seem like there are some very similar patterns that happen. And I've even seen people talking about the fact that oh man, this team is kind of like last year's team just with a couple of different people. And yet, you know, at this point we are looking at a team that, that has been relatively successful in terms of the overall of the season. It's just, I think still a team that leaves you kind of frustrated when a game like today happens or when, you know, the, the series with the Rays happens and you're like, what, what happened to everything that they were doing that was good that now they suddenly forgot how to do. And I think that's the, the, the tone that feels the same, even if, um, you know, the results are, are more positive than they were well, a year or so ago. I, I think to add to that, though, I think it's important to realize, obviously, that baseball is 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 a crazy game and things just happen in a yeah. season like last season. No one in Cardinals Nation or whatever you want to call your. Cardinals nation (laughs) (laughs) expected 17 games to come out of, you know, where, where it did, you were like, Whoa, this is, this is five. Okay. Now it's eight. And then it's 15 and, you know, and, and, and hits 17, but like who would have thought Milwaukee would have went on that slide. And now you're in the division lead and you're saying, Hey, you know, we're, we've been playing, maybe not up to our standard or what we think we should be at. And you're in the division lead. And now you're saying, okay, we're, we're in June. We're in it. You know, like that's how baseball is. Like you got to take advantage of the highs and lows, depending on who the team is. And, and that's where it kind of, it, Hey, our team might be struggling right now, but you know, come July, we're, we're going to be buyers maybe than sellers. It feels, it feels like a lot of, are they good? I think they're good. Maybe they're not good. Are they good? Just over and over and over again. Yeah. Ad nauseum. <laughs> but it keeps I think you this, intrigued. Yeah. yeah. This season did start to feel a little bit like last season, right? Again, like you were saying, they started off strong. Then they kind of hit that spot where 
the starters weren't going far enough and their bullpen was getting a little bit used and they're starting to wear down. Um, but thankfully this June has been better than last, you know, right. (laughs) This time last year, they're, they're hanging, well, either at 500 or right below it. And now they're Mm -hmm. seven games up. And that's after that three game series with the Rays that, you know, for the fact the Rays are a very good team and the Cardinals should have won one and could have won, could have won the, the last. So, you know, it's, they're beating up on the teams they should beat up on, you know, they didn't yep. lose a four game series to the Reds like they did last year. Um, <laughs> and they get a chance to beat up on those teams. You get yep. Pittsburgh coming in, you're going to go, uh, you're going to see a lot of, of Pittsburgh and, and Cincinnati and, and other teams down the stretch. Um, but it's also kind of amazing that we're talking about a team that's in first place, a team that has had nine te- people make their major league debuts. Now, I, I think that if you were saying a team that has nine people make their major league debuts, you're thinking, well, it's probably the Cubs, right? Or, or a team like that, the team that has kind of struggled a little bit and has not necessarily planning, you know, a little bit of that rebuild thing going on. Yeah. Um, but to see the Cardinals be able to, tread water and then really even do more than that with so many young guys is it's kind of encouraging as well yeah it's so interesting to see this i don't know if narrative is the best word it's uh, annoyingly used these days but i'll use it anyway <laughs> uh to see this narrative with the cardinals the last several years where it's like hey we got to give the young guys a chance we got to make room for them we've got it feels like we've been hearing this forever right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the Cardinals are always a team that has one or two or three or seven guys that could come up at any point and seemingly out of nowhere make a significant impact. So it's not like they haven't done this before. I think there were a good number of years where we got to see what the young guys can do was strictly about the 19 outfielders they had that they didn't (laughs) know where to, to put. Um, And so with that situation pretty much resolved, I don't think there's as much of a a question about the the go-to outfield trio for the Cardinals at this point. It's interesting to see who those kind of next guys up might be. I know Juan Yepes was not really a, a, a shock, I should say, um, in terms of getting one of those early calls, but it's been kind of a question of, hey, this is a guy who's really mostly a DH, probably, <laughs> for his career. Um, so what do you do with him when you also have Albert Pujols? You know, those kinds of things. So to see them get their ch- their chance um, and contribute is always fun. I don't think it's like um, this novel thing that has never happened before with the Cardinals, because I have enough people who are like, how does Brendan Donovan keep happening? <laughs> well, who is this guy? Where did he come from? And why do the Cardinals always do this? Um, but to see it so early in a season is a little bit different. And, you know, I think as it always is, once you get that many guys in the mix um, and then the injuries start to to heal up and you put the regulars back in, then it's that question of, okay, <laughs> What's actually the best mix of personnel and talent and skills and positioning at this point, which does make things a bit more complicated. So we'll see what reality becomes when there are too many guys and not enough positions on a roster. And then you see Ali Marmol start to make some tough choices and and you uh, 
move pieces around as you can, but you got to kind of let guys play and, and go f- well, with it from there. And fortunately for you guys, this is happening in June, yeah. not August mm-hmm. or September, where you're in the middle of a pennant race and the pressure's on. You know, you're trying to play the standings game yeah. and looking at the out-of-town mm-hmm. scoreboard saying, oh, you know, we got to win. Um, these These kinks are, you know, coming out now. You know, Carlson just came back. Um, you know, it's something where, you know, it's going to take him some time. I know Flaherty's rehabbing and you're hoping to get him ready, but you mm-hmm. want to play your best baseball towards the end of August, September, get on that streak like you guys did last year. So I, I, I think the timing of everything, even though, I mean, you know, 34 and 27 right now, and you're not saying you're playing your best baseball. So yeah. I think there's a lot of fortune right now to, to kind of be like, yeah, we still have a lot of moving parts, but it's still June. So, I mean, that that's a great advantage, though. If he, if 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 you guys can figure it out um, and get some guys healthy and and get these young kids to play, you know, the sky's the limit. Come August, if it if it all comes together correctly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a real good point. I mean, you were right. You'd much rather um, have to try to kind of see what you have in these guys, and if nothing else, you can see what you have in them and decide if you need to make a move at the trade deadline or, you know, what that kind of move needs to be instead of hoping that a Libertor can be ready to go or a Zach Thompson or somebody like that. You've already seen them up and seen that they've been able to contribute and, and know what that looks like. Um, Terry, you were talking about the roster, you know, and what kind of confusion and things might be going on with that at some point in time. Um, you know, this is something that Alan and I talked a little bit about on, on Mutual this weekend. But Paul DeYoung is starting to hit yeah. at Memphis. Uh, he's got seven home runs in, I think it's seven, uh, in this month because I think he had another one today. Now, there's a lot of different things there. I don't know if he's seeing a lot of fastballs down there or whatever. But, he, you know, it's going to come to a point where he's going to have to make them make a decision. And... Right now, with Brendan Donovan, with Nolan Gorman, you've got Tommy Edmund and Edmund Sosa in the middle of that lineup too. It becomes very, very difficult to see how even a, a good Paul DeYoung fits on this team, doesn't it? Yeah, I was just thinking about this the last couple of days because you're right, we're getting these reports that he's starting to hit pretty well and at uh, in the minor leagues, and that's great. Um, you know, I think there's certainly a lot of nostalgia for the recent past of Paul DeYoung and the contributions Mm -hmm. he's made, some of the moments that he's created and all of those things. I think this is one of the hard things about being a baseball fan, right? Is that you become a fan of these individuals, but you also want your best team to be on the field. And if at some point it feels like the better combination of players is created you know, without Paul DeYoung in the mix, you know, you, you hope that the organization makes the right call, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's entirely possible that Paul DeYoung figures it out and comes back and plays really well. I think it's more likely that he is the inconsistent, kind of streaky, all or nothing sort of hitter that he has been in the last couple of years, right? When he's on, he can absolutely turn an entire series on its head because of the way that he's able to hit. But then he'll go into these really dramatic, exaggerated slumps. And then, you know, when that 
either starts to affect his fielding or he's just tired from trying to work so hard on, on the offensive side of things, whatever it is, it's really hard to see him struggle that way when the upside is great, but maybe doesn't last as long as you would like for it to, if it's going to be that sort of wild swinging dynamic. So uh, sure in, in a a perfect world, Paul DeYoung comes up and he's an all-star and he's great and everything's fine. But what does that do, like you said, to Brendan Donovan and to Nolan Gorman, um, Edmundo Sosa? And I I think you and I have talked a lot about the Cardinals um, desiring and, and sort of valuing flexibility in the last handful of years, maybe decade. Not always to their advantage, right? They, they sometimes create flexibility that then makes it hard to actually know what the right choice is. Um, so if you've got too many pieces in that equation, I'm not convinced that it's actually going to make them better as a result of it. Now, all of that is sort of just conceptual about how you put these pieces together, right? There are a mm-hmm. lot of people with a lot of data and a lot of comparisons that will be, will be made in terms of who the actual, uh, whose, whose set actually translates better, um, with the mix that they have. And, maybe there's a bit of a rotation there, but someone's going to be the odd man out and someone's not going to stick on the major league roster with the Cardinals. And, you know, so many times it feels like the guy who's actually contributing the most gets the short end of the stick because he doesn't have the seniority. And I don't know that this is a team that can afford to make too many of those kinds of decisions, Paul DeYoung or otherwise. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. It is. It has been a flexible team and, and Ollie Marmol seems to be using that flexibility in ways we haven't seen yeah. uh, before. And it's a good thing, but uh, you're right. Sometimes you can, you can bend so far that you break. And um, I, I think the fact that they actually sent Paul Young down, um, not that there was getting to be a whole lot of choice in the matter, but um, does play, you know, point to a little bit of it's about performance, which I know that's the kind of the, catchphrase for the for the media and and for the clubhouse it's you know it's about performing and things of that nature um we'll see how accurate that is when Corey dickerson needs to come off the deal um and see if if that's still about that but um yeah i i think that i think you know it may be best case scenario that paul DeYoung builds up his trade value um you know or something of that nature and you know if so, and he can go out and, and blossom somewhere else, and that's great. Um, you, you, but, you know, if he's going to be that good, then there, maybe there is a spot for him in St. Louis as well. But do you think that sometimes it's tough for a team to gauge when they should give up on a guy? I think every mm-hmm. every team has to deal with that at some point where, you know, they have a player who's on the fringe who they want to give every chance possible, but – I mean, that, that's a, that's, it, it seems so hard to do. And, and yet you look at the stats and the analytics and you're saying, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it right now with, with D young and it looked like he was a 25 home run hitter and a two, uh, a 70 RBI, uh, kind of average the, the, before the you know COVID year. And mm-hmm. then you just see it all tail off and, and you're like, okay, well, does this guy still have it? I mean, coming from the Cubs side, I saw a couple of guys who they should have just cut loose, cut loose, and they refused to do it. And then they got stuck, you know, and, and, and it didn't allow them um, any chance to grow. And then you're stuck with a guy who's hitting 218 or something. And 
And, you know, I just have to wonder, you know, at what point, you know, what, you know, I, I, I guess I would love to get into a GM's head and find out when do you cut them loose? You know, when do you just finally say enough's enough, you know? And I think when you add in the human part of that, it becomes even more complicated, right? Because if it's someone that, you know, like, look, we all watched Matt Carpenter Mm -hmm. (laughs) just absolutely look lifeless for a couple of seasons with a team that kept saying, no, no, we really believe in who he is as an athlete and who he can be and how he can work through this. And, you know, whether that's for face value or not is for somebody else to determine, I guess. But when you, when you're dealing with people and not just products, it's a little more complicated to find that line, I think, because, it's not just, okay, here's what your numbers are. It's, Mm -hmm. Hey, do we really believe in the skill set and the mindset and the work ethic and the commitment to making it better? And if you can actually follow through on that, or is it just, Hey, here's what the numbers say. Here's what somebody else's numbers say. We're going to move on. And I mean, as much as it's a business, um, there's still people and there's still reasons that maybe someone believes in Paul DeYoung more than someone else does. And if that person's higher on the food chain, he may get a few more chances than someone else would have given him. And, you know, I don't envy that position, I guess is what I should say. Right. Cause we just, you know, as the Cardinals went through Tampa Bay this week, got a good chance of, you know, getting that, I think probably the first, uh, first-hand look at a guy that they give up on too early, right? In Randy <laughs> yeah. Rosarena, um, uh-huh. who, for one reason or another, never really seemed to get a chance to really show what he had. And the club has admitted since then that they didn't evaluate him well and, and should have uh, held on maybe a little bit to him. But, you know, that's the kind of thing. You, you know, you run the risk of somebody being really good for somebody else but if you hold them on to them, then there's a run the risk going to be really bad for you. Um, and so and block uh, someone who would have been better. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Um, that is the good thing about Randy Rosarena is all the Cardinal outfielders are at least good. Right. I mean, right now, I mean, if, if, if Tyler O'Neill had not come, you know, blossomed last year or Dylan Carlson didn't show that some promise, then I think that hurts you a lot more. Yeah. Uh, and now that you finally get to see Matthew Libertor come up and, contribute at least here and there that helps as well but uh you know when he's tearing up the league in 2020's postseason and you have nothing really to show for it (laughs) that 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 does hurt yeah it does feel great and i I, honestly i think as much as he may downplay it i I think we've heard from john mosaic that he's a little hesitant to walk away from something just because it's almost like, okay, are we evaluating this properly? Because this is not the first time mm-hmm. we have shipped someone off to somewhere else and eh, maybe didn't end up on the most positive end of that deal. So let's make sure we're evaluating this carefully and that it's not just a numbers game, but it's not just a personality game. And man, there's, there are whole departments whose job it is to figure this stuff out. So, um, you know, it's a, a complicated mix of things and Look, I think Paul DeYoung is is very likable. I think he's been quite exemplary in his, um, you know, years as a Cardinal. So I don't think that plays into anything like perhaps some personality issues did with uh, the Tommy Pham trade, right? Let's just throw that one out there. Um, so I don't think that's a part of this for him. But I think it really does come down to is his contribution going to be great enough to 
stop someone else from having the chance to contribute in a better way. And, uh, you know, that that's the cold part of this whole thing because you want the best for these guys who've been around and who've done it or who have shown that promise. Um, but it does as much as, you know, it's thrown around in sort of cliche ways come down to performance at, at some point. Um, and it's just kind of figuring out what that point is with him. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And um, definitely it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very interesting to see what they do with that going forward. Um, yeah, speaking of Tommy Pham, I think the Cardinals are quite happy that they <laughs> traded him, especially after this week. I, I think there's a reason that Tommy Pham is on, what, his fourth team now in five seasons of something like that. Um, I think if we heard the untold stories of Tommy Pham, uh, one, it would be wildly entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> uh, mostly unbelievable. But also yeah. you would hear a lot of people that did not appreciate the way that he mm -hmm. engaged with the world around him. And, you know, we talk about it in sports in terms of, oh, he's, he's got an edge. Oh, this team needs that edge. Uh -huh. but sometimes that edge is sharp and it doesn't feel good when, you know, you're bumping up against it all the time in the clubhouse. So yeah. I don't think it's surprising from what we have seen what we have heard what we know that you know he's not everyone's cup of tea <laughs> well and you can have a bit of an edge when you're hitting 300 with 20 right. homers um yeah. when you're hitting like 218 that edge gets old very very quickly yes. um so but i guess kudos to tommy fam for always being the same guy that no matter what he's hitting he is not pretending that's not for sure what he's hitting uh, uh, no <laughs> <pun> <laughs> <in>. <laughs> or what i guess maybe yes um so to wrap it up let's talk about guys that have done everything to be proven uh that they we know exactly what kind of players they are we got the the goodwill retirement tour is going along right now for pujols and molina adam wainwright's Along for the ride, we still don't know if he's actually going to call it quits. Um, but before Tara, before I get to you, I want to ask Steve, though, when you watch these guys from a, that opposing viewpoint, is it, I mean, what are, what are your feelings when you see, you know, this kind of goodwill tour? Well, when, when the player is, is a significant player in the game over the last 15, 20 years, um, you show your appreciation. I mean, I, I always bring up the Tara, the, the Brad Lidge, uh, Pujols, um, home run in the NLCS in, uh, Oh five. And I still, I still claim as probably the best home run, um, that I've seen, uh, in my life. And, and if anyone asks how I could marry a Cubs fan, it's moments like this. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, I know, you know, Molina is, is a very well-respected catcher, uh, Wainwright, I think everybody would say if they could rent Wainwright for the rest of the year, on, <laughs> they would they would do it in a heartbeat. Um, but I just I, I think about the times. I mean, I, I saw Pools just destroy us over the years, but I, I just remember those those shots where I could actually you know not be an angry Cubs fan and saying I hate that guy and just appreciate the game and and realize that there's there's a significant. Um, 
there's a significant way of just appreciating uh, their service to the game and and how they've contributed um, every like year in and year out. I mean, the way that Yachty plays, I mean, he plays hard. Um, you know, the guy hustles. The guy is all heart. I mean, that's you can't find many catchers like that in the game of baseball. Um, you know, uh, Wainwright goes out and he's he's prepared. I mean, uh, he could have hung it up a couple of years ago. You know, mm-hmm. when stuff wasn't maybe working, and he kind of went into that Greg Maddox mode. And um, you know, I mean, honestly, if I, I, you know, I could say the fanfare is a little bit too much for me at times because <laughs> being a Cubs fan, I gotta, I gotta put in a jab there. But um, it's too I, much I, for me. At I, times I, too, I find okay. it though, I find it intriguing in some respect that this is all being done. Uh, with all the influx of talent right now with the way that the roster is and you're trying to win. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's like, there's a lot to juggle there. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, I remember watching Jeter go through his and, and, you know, and, and everything. And I haven't seen it maybe quite like that status, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but, and I, and I hope still that at the end of the day that, you know, Elbert doesn't really take away from the whole Yachty Wainwright thing because that was a big thing. But um, it's 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 remarkable that 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 they could do that for so many years and stay at a high level. So um, on the north side of town, we don't get that all too much. I mean, they trade your your team away halfway through the season, <laughs> you know. So um, I wish we had watch we had them right that, off into the sunset you know, with another team, yeah. and then watch you know the guy who was on the team for the longest bash them in the series this weekend. So, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's very much, um, uh, it's nice to see, um, the fans really kind of come out and get up for this and, and yet they're still playing at a high level. So, um, but I, I will never forget the, the pull holes Homer in the, in the playoffs that, that went off a lid, <laughs> broke him. Um, and I, I still, I'm amazed whenever I see it. And I, I think I go back to that and the Juan Soto home run from the, the 19 world series, mm-hmm. one of those yeah. shots. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, people might come after me for the El Tuve reference and <laughs> the ALCS <laughs> against the Yankees, but that those were s- some pretty significant home runs, but yeah, I mean, I just, I, um, I still at the end of the day can say, you know, that that home run was the best I've seen, in, in you know in my life so far and it, it just so happens it's a cardinals player so you know i have to give respect where respect's due <laughs> is is there a portion of you that just is like okay i'm very excited about next year so i don't have to watch these guys anymore uh you know what no not really because i don't like where the the, the team is heading with ownership with what how the rickets are kind of allocating the money and I think Jed Hoyer is one of the worst GMs of all time. So for me, it's kind of like I'm I'm in that sense where, sadly, I've seen the World Series happen and I'm and I'm happy with it. I mean, I'm not happy that they're not competitive. I it'll be interesting to see what they do, but um, I'm not. My expectations are low because I, I I'm not, and I'm a glass half full guy, but I'm not really expecting much going forward because I've seen this happened where, you know, they, it looks like they're going to be competitive and then they fall out of the race. I so. mean, we're already talking about yeah. who they're going to 
trade at the deadline this year. So that's right. that's a bigger conversation topic and, where they're concerned. <laughs> and, and, and and then it bugs me too when you get, you know, those clowns like Heyman or whatever who are just like, oh, well, the, the Cubs might be in on this player next season. And, and it's like, no, they're not. Stop. <laughs> you know, and, and they do that for all the teams. The Yankees are always the front runner for every free agent available or the Red Sox, you know, so I just kind of, you know, just kind of watch what they do and, and hope for the best. But to me, you know, I'm just like, I'm, I'm there for the ride. And <laughs> unfortunately right now, the ride's a little, little bumpy for the Cubbies, but um, you know, it's, it is what, it, I, you know what, actually I would prefer to be a Cubs fan right now than a White Sox fan with what they have to deal with, with La Russa and, <laughs> um, the kind of the, you know, they're expecting to be what the Cubs were seven years ago and it ain't happening. And, and that's a whole separate podcast about La Russa <laughs> and the White Sox right now. But, um, I would rather be a Cubs fan at this point than a White Sox fan. Cause they're, I, I feel like ultimately that that thing's going to implode on them and you know, the, the, the cell or the, whatever the they want to call it, the guaranteed yeah. rate. I still call it Comiskey, but um, that thing will be empty again. So, but um, well, and, and, and too, you know, it, it is nice though to, I, I, I've always been a fan of baseball since I was a, you know, young kid. And um, you know, before Michael Jordan kind of shifted me into being a basketball fan, um, I, I always appreciate having a baseball game on. So at this yeah. point, you know, baseball as, baseball. as long as it's not the Mets that are on, I mean, it's, it's fine. You know? <laughs> it's a <laughs> difficult uh, thing to avoid sometimes. So. Uh, so Tara, I mean, if we start to, to wrap this up though, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, you know, this, how they're using Yachty and, and Albert, especially, I mean, Wayne Wright is Wayne Wright and he's still being productive, but, I, you, you can see the chinks of the armor with with Yachty and Albert. Um, it was I was watching the game yesterday, and you know, uh, Cardinals down one in the bottom of the ninth, and uh, I think it was Bader gets on, and I'm like, you you have to pinch hit for Yachty because he's going to hit into a double play probably on the first pitch, and that's exactly what he did. Um, are you are you concerned that they may be still putting a little bit more on? you know, we got to get these guys out there because people want to see them versus we got to put them out there because they're their best option. I think that's been something that we've thought about a lot. I mean, prior to the, the Albert Pujols return, right. Just in terms of, okay, how much of the Molina thing is because he's Yadier Molina and how much of it is because this is actually a good choice. And Again, you know, these are people, not just products, and that makes those things just a little more complicated in terms of making good choices. (laughs) Um, I will say, because of my uh, limited time to to just really watch, I I probably don't have the best analytical perspective on exact usage, but I will say this, I, I think... I think what happens in the next month with this team is going to be really important in terms of what they do, not just at the deadline, but in how they proceed with this season, right? Is this the farewell tour season or is this, Hey, let's win them another world series season because 
you if those guys that you would love to see win another championship are best used in a more limited capacity in order to get them to that championship, those are going to be very um, important decisions to be made that may not make them happy in the moment. (laughs) But if they're celebrating a championship at the end of the year, maybe they'll be okay with it. So I, I guess... Like I said, I haven't been able to watch as closely as I normally do. And so I don't have a well-formulated opinion on the exact usage. But I do think it's going to become more important in the next month what this team does to determine kind of what what that looks like. Um, I think often you see these sort of farewell tours when they're not combined with a team that's like vocally and outwardly announcing themselves with a desire to win a championship this season. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone's trying to win, right? But it's a little bit different. So that's what I alluded to earlier with having the balancing act. You guys got a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's an odd uh, sort of combination of things to create this nostalgia and this, you know, these moments for Albert and for Yachty and sure. Adam Wainwright as well who knows what he's gonna do he's probably just tagging along he's like i'm gonna get two farewell tours out of this because (laughs) i'm gonna get my own solo next year um who knows but anyway uh i do think it's a lot and i think that look there are plenty of times i mean this weekend is a prime example where someone else um who isn't yadier molina is going to be criticized for what they do or don't do in the game in terms of their intensity or in terms of their hustle or in terms of their, you know, commitment to a single play or whatever. Um, and Yadi's not, and I'm not saying that's even a bad thing. I'm just saying the it creates a situation where you have to be really aware of the moment and the value that you're trying to create of it, right? Is it about creating this memory where everyone gets a chance to stand up and give them a standing ovation for Yachty or for Pujols or whatever? Or is it about, hey, this is a moment where we can win or lose this game. And if we lose this game, we're one game closer to not winning a championship (laughs) than we are to winning it. And that's when the fun and the fanfare, um, has to get really real and those decisions can't always be made based on um you know how much entertainment value can we provide by giving these guys a chance and i look they know that right these are championship caliber players they're not as much fun as they might have with all the the fuss um that's not what they're there for and i think that the receptiveness to those sorts of decisions (laughs) be understood in terms of trying to win a championship but it it just i think if if the team continues to develop and continues to you know look like a a division winner in the next month then you got to really focus in on how do we make this not just a division winning team but a world championship contending team and that might not mean albert pujols gets every pinch hit at bat ever (laughs) yeah yeah, I, I mean, it, they could be worse, and it, it would probably help if Andrew Kisner hit a little bit more um, to maybe force a little bit more playing time. Yeah. But we have seen we have seen Kisner more than 
uh, people like Tony Pena or Jason LaRue. I mean, he's played more than twice in like right. the first three months of the season. So right. that's an improvement. <laughs> people can actually name the backup catcher. Right. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a good thing. And, you know, Albert has, he's, he's faced more righties than I think we expected, but he's not facing all of them. And it felt like, like he, he played today. It felt like they're going to try to get him into at least one, game of each home series some you know get some the home fans the chance to see him but it is a balancing act and, and and it's not that any of those guys are so bad off that it's you know no no you know there, there's still possibilities you know albert tied the game up today with a double um you know there's still there's still life in the bat even if it's not as much as it used to be um but like we said when you're balancing people like Juan Yepes and, and uh, you know, and as Dylan Carlson now is back and Tyler O'Neill is back and, you know, some of these guys, you know, trying to squeeze it all in. Sometimes you may have to short change these guys a little bit. And I, I, you know, I think Albert really is just kind of hero for the ride. What he can do is great. And if he's not playing, then he's having a good time on the bench. So right. um, that's helpful. I mean, because I think the worst case scenario is a, superstar that comes in for this like final year and expects to be treated like he was when he was in his prime. Um, And thankfully we're not having to deal with that. Right. Yeah. I think there was some concern. I I don't know. Concern seems a little harsh, but uh, Steve, like you were saying that Albert Pujols could come back in sort of for this one last ride and maybe take away from the legacy that Wainwright and Molina Mm -hmm. have built for themselves separate from Albert Pools, um, because now it's turned into this trio and for a long time, it's just been a duo and, you know, that doesn't minimize or take away from the impact of Albert Pools or from the nostalgia there that a lot of people are really excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there was this idea of, Ooh, is he going to come in and make it all about him after he didn't really want to be here for a while? Cause that could get weird. It doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like he's kind of settling into this, um, like you said, whatever opportunities are there, then he'll take them. Otherwise, he's going to hang out in the dugout and talk to all the young guys yep. for whatever that's worth. So, um, <laughs> Even if he doesn't want to, because the other right. one yep, is, is always on top of it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I think winning solves everything. I mean, if yeah. they can get into a nice little rhythm here in the next couple of weeks and and you know get their bearings right, and and keep winning. I, I think at the end of the day, a guy like Pools, he's won. Yeah. He's also he's not go won for the ride, a lot in LA. You know? So if he could win again, I'm sure I mean, he would appreciate right, that. If he could win, <laughs> but you know, if 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 you get on a, you know, you got to what? All these guys are superstitious as it is sometimes. So if you're going with the winning hand, you got to keep going with it, right? Yeah. So I mean, um, but it, it, I think that's what makes it so much fun, though. That if you do get on that winning streak, I remember in '98 when we had the McGuire Sosa thing going on, and yeah. I mean that the, the Cubs ended up uh, getting a wild card spot out of it. So it was like the icing on the cake. But like that's what that's what made it so much fun was that they they continued to win, and then Sosa was still producing homers. And I, I know you know Big Mac beat them, and, and you know individually, but like that couple that was the dynamic of okay we're gonna try to set this new home run record and then also try to make a playoff spot i mean that it sounds like a lot but if you can get the right you know mix together and it 
you're winning, then that's going to make that farewell tour even more exciting because, you know, what if Albert gets a big, huge hit that extends a win streak to 10 or something, or Wainwright pitches a no hitter or a perfect game. I mean, I mean, that, that can just supercharge it. So as long as they get on a streak, then I, I think the farewell tour is not even a, uh, uh, you know, a concern at this yeah. point. Well, the Cardinals, again, they get the four games with the Pirates this week. They get the Red Sox this coming weekend, and then they get go into Milwaukee uh, for a four-game setup there. So, you know, they have a chance, you know, this week to hopefully put a little ground between them and Milwaukee before they match up again next week. Uh, I believe Terrell will be joining us next week. We'll still we're kind of play it by ear for a while and uh, see if we can't get back into a normal recording rhythm. But uh, until next time, for Tara and Steve, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans. Thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click Subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.